brought to you by LRN. The Principal Podcast brings together the collective wisdom on ethics, business and compliance, transformative stories of leadership, and inspiring workplace culture. Listen in to discover valuable strategies from our community of business leaders and workplace change makers. Hello again, and welcome to another episode of Season 5 of LRN's Principled Podcast. My name is Ben DiPietro. I'm the editor of LRN's ENC Pulse newsletter. I hope you can look for that somewhere on the internet and subscribe to it. We'd love to have you. With me today is a guest from Latin America, Juan Ignacio Diaz, Senior Vice President and Chief Compliance Officer for Siemens USA. And he's based in Atlanta now, but has spent a lot of time in Latin America, and we're going to talk about his work in both areas. Juan Ignacio is responsible for the overall strategic management and direction of the compliance organization in the United States and Latin America. Welcome aboard, Juan Ignacio. Happy to have you here today. Hello. Thank you so much for the invitation, Ben. It's a pleasure to be in your uh, podcast. So let's tell people a little bit about yourself and your background in ethics and compliance, how you became interested in this field and what attracted you to it to make a career out of it. And then uh, tell us a little bit about the journey you've taken that's landed you at Siemens now. Sure, well, I I started my career in the airline industry in Chile as a finance lawyer. And some years after I came for a LLM at Duke University, then I worked in a law firm in New York. And then in 2008, I joined Siemens, where uh, to be honest with you, I was given amazing opportunities of professional growth. Because I started as a general counsel for Chile, but then for South America, and then I was promoted to CEO. So from the legal part, I jumped into the CEO role for Chile. And then after a few years, I was promoted for CEO for Mexico and Central America. So it was a very interesting path, but it, uh, coming from legal to the business, and it was only possible for me in an environment in which what you study, it is important, but how you do things, it's even more important. So today I'm just in the beginning of my compliance career. And to your question of how did I become attracted to this, I think it's basically I work for a company in which compliance is part of the business. It's the base of our business, so you can really contribute to the success of the company by being in compliance. So it's not like just one other support function. So at the end, at least in Siemens, we understand that good numbers, profit, sales, cash flow are important, but they're not sufficient to measure our company's success. So how we achieve numbers, how we behave with our employees, our suppliers and customers, it's as important as the economic results. So at the end, I'm in a company in which integrity matters when it comes to the definition of a successful company. And that concept always attracts. And here I am. <laughs> yes, here we are. So for people who may not know, tell them a little bit about Siemens, what it does, and the areas it's involved in. Well, in Siemens, we manufacture technologies that have a strong purpose, which is serving society. And what do I mean by this? In Siemens, everything we do, we do to address the consequences of the big megatrends of urbanization, Today, you know, the cities are larger and bigger than ever before. It means more traffic, more electricity consumption, more water consumption, and so on. And so what we do is create technologies to resolve that problem 
of urbanization and also addressing climate change with uh, clean energies and energy management and globalization where we need to take care of the carbon footprint. And so we manufacture technologies and software that makes possible basically the electrification, the automatization and digitalization. And we bring together the digital and physical and uh, we use software so the factories can do a faster, leaner, safer, and cheaper operation. We have uh, technologies for intelligent infrastructure for buildings and decentralized energy system. So we build from a smart fire detector system to an electric charger for cars, from electrical motors to high-speed trains in the area of mobility. So Siemens uh, is also in the healthcare field with amazing technologies in diagnostics and imaging. It's a, it's a very diverse company, but with a very strong purpose. Yeah, it sounds like you guys are involved in a lot of uh, interesting things going on in all different aspects of the world. So then as compliance chief for both the U.S. and Latin America, how do you structure and operate the programs for each one? Do you report to different people in each region? Is it one program for all, or do you tailor to each region? And if so, can you give us an example or two of how you do that? It's a little bit complicated because we have different realities. And we have different realities because we have different types of risks depending on the countries and on the kind of business that we do. In general, our system is about preventing, detecting, and responding. From training and awareness to investigation or remediation, and in each region, we have certain expertise depending on the risk factor of that particular region or country. So export control, for example, that is more sensitive in the U.S., and anti-corruption that is more problematic in Latin America. So we do have hubs according to the different risk of each one of the countries and people's expertise depending on this risk assessment. But in general terms, but with different emphasis, we address all compliance topics globally, like antitrust, like data privacy, anti-money laundering, human rights, and anti-corruption. And it's in some part of the world where focus more in one than other, depending on the case. But uh, as I said, we do this globally with some hubs uh, that support some regions. So then, obviously, we're in the midst of COVID still, and the pandemic is raging all over. How has it changed the way you approach your ethics and compliance program what has been some of the biggest adjustments you've made this past year while we endure this? Well, definitely uh, digitalization has allowed us and the whole world to stay afloat during the pandemic. So digitalization here is the key word. But digitalization has also turned out to be a big challenge for compliance. Just think of uh, new regulations, data privacy, cybersecurity, the way we work, the way we do business, the way we interact and communicate. Even the way we interact with social media, everything is digital. And preventing, detecting, and responding in this new environment has been very challenging. And I, I think that we're still uh, adjusting, Ben. I mean, it's not, it's not what we have done. It's what we're doing all the time. Change is constant. So it's, it's been very challenging. How has this led you then to change the way you communicate? Are you rolling out training differently, engaging in different ways since you're not the all together in the office and you expect that to continue after COVID? Yeah, well, as I said before, the digital world has been doing its part. I feel that we communicate even more, but in my personal view, there's 
nothing like in-presence meeting, especially when it comes to engagement. And the same with trainings. We had to switch to the digital tools for training. And so today it's been very complicated, but I think we're sorting it out. It works fine. We're going to have to get used to this. And I honestly think that well, it will never be the same and digitalization is here to stay. And, and so we will continue to use these digital tools for trainings, for communicating in the future. I mean, this is not, we're not going back to the regular way of doing things. How do you decide then if you're along, you've tried something for a little bit, how long do you give it before you determine it might not be the way to go and then take a different course? Because it's obviously not easy or not necessarily inexpensive to make those kind of changes too. I think we made our decision that during the pandemic, a lot before the pandemic, we were already doing this remote working and home office and uh, we were using digital tools. It was with the pandemic that from one day to another, everyone started doing it in a mandatory manner. But looking ahead, our company already made the decision that our people will go to the office two or three days a week maximum. And that's a decision. So everyone will do home office. Everyone will need digital tools. So it's a decision that has been already made. Okay. When will that take effect? It's just a matter of when this all calms down and then you'll implement that? It's already implemented. Okay. So they're coming in now. And so the adjustments are not in the digital world, but rather in the physical world. We need to see how we're going to rearrange our offices in order to make it a safe place when people have to go. But that's not going to be more than one or two times a week. I know you're interested a lot in diversity, equity, and inclusion. What are you doing as part of the ENC program then to help promote those things? And how are these initiatives being received? And how do you deal with people who may not be on board with what you're trying to do? Well, it's it's a very interesting topic. And, and Ben, we talk about it. We discuss, we educate our people. We implement initiatives. We make policies about it. We try to walk the talk and then we, we try to be consistent. And so we build our culture of integrity by respecting the personal dignity, privacy, and rights of each of our people. And we believe diversity enriches our workplace. And so joining Siemens comes with a personal responsibility to act with integrity and respect to the company's core values. And so all members of our team feel very welcome, or they should, respected, valued, and included. And compliance, diversity, equity, inclusion, are foundational to our business, and to your point, they're non-negotiable. So we do take actions when people are not aligned with us. So what can companies do then to create a better pipeline for candidates among people of color or people who have diverse and non-traditional backgrounds and work experiences so that they can get into the leadership roles of the future and, and position themselves for better progress? Well, we openly address this topic. We speak about it with our teams. You have to you have to have these courageous conversations. That would be a recommendation. I mean, it, it really is useful and it changes things. To have this conversation with the teams, tell them that there is an issue here, there is a challenge that we need to address, and take measures to guarantee that the time of selection, you have a diverse pool of candidates. I mean, you just have to do it and make it happen. You have HR business partners, and you can always tell them 
when you're looking for a new position, to fill out a new position, you need candidates with diversity. This is true at all levels. So, so we better have a good example at the top as well. And at least in my company, speaking for myself, I was appointed in, in my actual role being a Latino without being an English native speaker. I don't know. I think you can do it. it and I think it's about the culture of not focusing on the what. So what color, what country, what sex, what religion, what neighborhood, what university, that's too much what. I think this is about the how, how we behave, how you lead, how you approach topics, how you perform. It's about focusing on the how rather than in the what. And that's a good beginning for this topic, I think. So when you were coming up then, obviously someone saw something in you and became a mentor to you. Did, can you talk a little bit about how they identified you or you raised your hand enough so that they saw you were someone who was looking? Talk a little bit about how that all came about. <laughs> well, I think that's a, that's an everyday situation. It's, it's not how you behave to the, only to with the people above you, but it's more how you relate and how you interact with your own teams and with your peers. And uh, when you behave well, when you when you you understand that that the way you interact is as important as what you do, I think you will see the results. I think it's a lot about kindness and, of course, being competent, doing a good job, complying with your and achieve your goals and your targets. But also, it's about being a good human being, and uh, and that doesn't have anything to do with your background or your race or your color or or your what. I think it's much more about the how. I. I cannot think of a of an example of uh, what happened to me. I guess I was lucky as well. But in my whole journey, I, I really worried about how you treat your own people, how you treat your teams. I think that's very important. I'll leave you out of here with one final question, and I want to thank you for your time today. It's been interesting. What advice do you have for people, anyone who might be interested in a career in ethics and compliance? How should they go about getting involved or learning about this? And what would you tell them to look for to see if it's really for them or not? Okay, well, this is a function that is very rewarding in which success is hard to define because this job never ends. When you're in compliance, you never say, I did it. You never say, that's it, we made it. Because the risks are, are always there. We're human. So it's a constant effort that we have to do every single day we need to prevent, we need to detect, and we need to respond. And this one, the last one, to respond, maybe is the hardest part of all. So after you detect one thing and you investigate and fairly conclude that someone or some action or hard action must be taken, then you have to take them. So if you're not, if you're afraid of taking hard action, this is not the job. I mean, our people are constantly looking for consistency. And this job is not only about talking about compliance, it's about taking action. It's about doing the right thing, even if it's not convenient for the company. It's about integrity, and integrity matters always. So that would be my heads up. This is uh, an endless job. You don't have a bottle of champagne and say, we did it, guys. We made it for the year. This is not about numbers. This is about, this is about how your people are behaving and, and the way we do things. I appreciate your time again, Juan Ignacio. Thank you so much for being with us today and stay safe as we uh, go forward and hope to see you in the future. Sure. Thank you so much, Ben. It was a pleasure talking with you. 
We hope you enjoyed this episode. The Principled Podcast is brought to you by LRN. At LRN, our mission is to inspire principled performance in global organizations by helping them foster winning ethical cultures rooted in sustainable values. Please visit us at LRN.com to learn more. And if you enjoyed this episode, subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen. And don't forget to leave us a review.